Hello, everyone. Thank you for tuning in to Editor Knows Best. My name is Katyra Poland. I am the CEO of Love for Words, which is an editing boutique, and I'm also the creator and hostess of Editor Knows Best, a podcast for authors and writers. The show airs every Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and you can also check out some of our episodes at anchor.fm slash editor knows best. So we have a very special guest today. I'm excited that she is able to join us. She is an award-winning, best-selling author and media personality. She's published five books in four different genres, including business, self-help, race, and discrimination. And she released her first book in 2007 as an independent author. Her most recent publication, Shut Em Down, Black Women, Racism, and Corporate America was a number one release on Amazon. She's also the founder of Aspiring Authors Academy, a program that provides direction, feedback, and support to new authors as they write and edit their first nonfiction book. Today's guest is Dr. Carrie Yazid. Thank you so much for joining us today, Dr. Yazid. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. So I would love to know more um, about your about your first book um, and what inspired you to write that book. Okay. Oh, so like the first book is totally different than the last book. Um, so my <laughs> first book I wrote under the pen name of CJ Domino. Um, and I am very honest with people when people say, well, why didn't you use your real name? And I'm like, because my ex-husband was crazy and he was like, ain't nobody going to say my wife wrote a book about a hoe. And I was saying to myself, yes. it might be your hoe, but okay, we're going to let that go. So, um, that book actually came about. My honest answer is that my mom was dying and I was her caretaker. And I was also the owner of an African-American bookstore at the time. And so to help me kind of escape what was the reality of what was going on with my mom, that I was losing her right before my eyes, I would write like just short stories and some kind of way the characters started to form relationships and um, it would just kind of be a way for me to escape what was going on around me. And one day I actually let my mom read them. Mm -hmm. And um, she was like, so when's the book coming out? And I was <laughs> like, girl, I'm not publishing a book. Like, and I didn't want to tell her, this is just so I don't have to think about what's going on with you. Right. And she was just like, this is great. You have got to publish this. Yes. And I was just like, okay, maybe it's the man. <laughs> like, and didn't do anything with it. And so, and this was actually two weeks before she passed. Okay. And so for the entire two weeks, she kept saying, did you decide if you're going to publish it? What's the title going to be? Like she yes. really gotten into yes. it. And so after she passed, like it kind of stayed with me. And I was like, well, nothing else. I can go ahead and fulfill like one of her last wishes for me. Yes. But let me go ahead and publish this. You right. know, the first case scenario, my aunts are going to buy a copy, my mm -hmm. family and friends, like, well, the book went on to become a, a urban um, bestseller, urban mm -hmm. romance bestseller. So mm -hmm. I was just like, oh, wow. Okay. Totally mm -hmm. caught me off yes. guard. Yes. So that's kind of the story about my, 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 you know, the story behind my first novel. So you have your mom to thank. I'm so glad that she pushed you to do that. Yes. Yes. Because mm -hmm. I probably would not be an author. Yeah. And, <laughs> and what's the name of the book? Um, the name of my first book is Sideline Ho. 
Okay. Okay. Good. So I hope you're all taking notes and you wrote that down. Definitely check out um, her first book. I'm so glad that um, you did that. So for other authors who are maybe where you were and they're not sure about writing their book, um, what would you recommend or how did you overcome your fear of publishing um, in the beginning? Um, actually, the I received a lot of rejections. So mm -hmm. my fear really kind of should have stayed there. Um, I was trying to go the traditional publishing route okay. because back then, this was back in like 2006, well, 2005, I actually started trying to have it self-published. Um, and all of, you have to go through a literary agent. And so they were not touching black writers with the 10 foot pole. They really weren't interested in urban, um, fiction mm -hmm. and then your urban houses that they had at the time were ripping people the hell off okay mm -hmm. so like you know they're mm -hmm. saying oh we'll give you a two thousand dollar advance and you like yeah but you're gonna sell a lot more books than that and right. you realize then the deal that you're gonna get is not a good deal um, and so after a, a couple of no's from white literary agents right I just said you know what let me self-publish this myself. Everybody else has started a publishing house for Black authors. Mm -hmm. Let me start my own, but I'm just going to be my own author. I'm not going to take on other people. And that's basically what I did was like, okay. I did the research and awesome. I got all the people I needed and I self-published. Awesome. Awesome. And what, what were your favorite and least favorite parts of that self-publishing self um, experience? I think my favorite part was working with the graphic designer on the cover okay. um, because I had a vision for how I wanted it to look and to help him to bring that to life, you know, so going through stock photos and us going back and forth and, you know, him saying, you know, hey, you're a mom. I don't think that's the right cover. And I'm saying, dude, this has nothing to do with me being a mom. This is about selling books. I need you to do this cover. Right. Uh, but just the whole creative process okay. behind it least favorite um is is always the selling part because you got to put yourself out there you have to market the, I always say the easiest part of writing a book is writing the manuscript that's right. the easiest part <laughs> um the hardest part is going to be getting convincing people to buy a copy and right. so yes that's that is usually that was my least favorite back then now it doesn't bother me I just get out there do what I have to do Okay, awesome. Thanks for sharing that. So I know you mentioned that um, when you first started publishing, um, it was challenging for you to find um, publishers who were interested in urban fiction. Have you seen that change for the better over the years? No. Okay. They're still not interested in us. Okay. Um, <laughs> um, they will take some of our projects if it fits into their scope of what it is that they're trying to do. Okay. We, you know, back after last summer when we had the riots taking place mm -hmm. and, you know, it was it, all companies wanted to let you know that they were for Black Lives, that Black Lives Matter. You saw some of the publishing houses put out a call yes. um, for Black authors. And my thing was, why do you have to put out a call after all of this? Like, if you've been interested in us, we've been out here. Exactly. Um, so, I no, I don't see them being interested in us, which has led to a push of more authors 
self-publishing. Exactly. And the other piece of that, I, I have seen, seen an increase in Black publishers as well. So there yeah. are a lot of options for us to work with each other um, and have our voice heard and taken into consideration and understood. So I'm happy to say that I've seen that change and it, it appears that- and, you we're, and we're selling books. Yes. So we've, we've shown traditional <laughs> publishing houses we don't need you and we still can sell books and we've realized that we can make more money. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. Thank you for touching on that. That is amazing. And I, I really appreciate you um, sharing that with me. I'm, I'm excited to hear you um, share that as well. So um, we can transition. So I thank you so much for giving us that beginning of, you know, how you started with being an author. But of course, your latest um, release, Shut Them Down. I would love to know more about how that anthology came about. Um, again, that one came about from this past, well, last summer. We're in 2021. I got to keep reminding myself. So the <laughs> summer of 2020, um, where we had George Floyd, we had the riots that took place all in all 50 states and then abroad, overseas, yes. um, where people protesting the that Black, the lives of Blacks mattered. And so it was a post that I put on LinkedIn where I talked about my experience with racism in corporate America, because LinkedIn is that type of setting. Yes. And kind of like my first book, didn't think anything of it, didn't think anybody would respond. Well, I woke up the next morning and had an inbox full of Black women sharing their stories yes. and saying, oh my God, like you gave me permission to tell my story. And I was like, what in the world? Like, <laughs> you know? <laughs> And so I, you know, and I said, God, what am I supposed to do with this? Like, here's just the post. Like, yes. I mean, and so he was just like, you, you have a platform and you've been self-publishing for years. You can get this book out now for where sure. a traditional publisher is going to take at least two to three years. Yes. You need to get those women together and you need to give them a platform to tell their stories. They felt mm -hmm. comfortable telling you their story. And so you have to treasure that and share their stories with the world. And basically, I mean, maybe a day or two later, I put out a call for yeah. writers and mm -hmm. some of the ladies who had actually inboxed me um, agreed to tell their story in the anthology. And then some of them was a whole new set of women mm -hmm. that I got. Um, so that's how that came about. That is super exciting. And I, I kind of followed the tail end of that. So I have a copy of it. I haven't opened it yet, um, but I'm definitely excited to read it. Um, but one oh, of the gotta, reasons- you got to open it. Yes, for sure, for sure. Um, and I'll, I'll be sure to connect with you once I've read it um, and leave a review. So the reason why I was so interested is because my first book, Professionalism, What's That? Um, it covers like code switching and it covers, um, you know, how to write your resume and you know, things that we need to know as employees and employers that they don't teach us in school. So when I saw that you were going to be focusing on the impact of how we're treated in, in corporate America, I was thrilled. So like I said, my favorite chapter is code switching. So I talk about, okay, can I wear my hair and braid to this interview? Or do I need to straighten my hair and how taxing that is. So, so often code switching is seen as the pentacle, like if you don't do it, you're not gonna make it. But I, I decided that, to talk about the cons of code switching, like how devastating is it that the way that your hair grows from your head makes you less valuable than somebody else? 
or the color of your skin, literally the shade of your skin um, devalues you in some way or makes you more valuable. So when I saw your book, I was like, I have to, I have to get this book. And I was actually on one of your, your lives on LinkedIn where they were talking about hair bias or hair texture yeah. bias. Um, I was a part of that. I, you know, listened to that. So um, that's one of the reasons I was really excited to connect with you. So was there anything that you heard from the women that maybe you hadn't thought about or hadn't experienced yourself? Um, I had two military women, and so I don't think we ever think about the military unless we're in the military and the discrimination that they experienced while being in the military, which I was just kind of like, wow, like, you know, and it was stuff that one of the authors, she could have gotten killed. Like it was, yeah. it was stuff that interfered with her doing her job, yeah. um, that if she didn't catch it, like just pranks I won't even say pranks but just things that were done to make her look like she didn't know what she was doing but if she wouldn't have caught them in time it could have been detrimental to either her life or the lives of those that served under her command mm -hmm. um which was like very disturbing that people would go to those lengths um I think another one that really kind of was just like you hear about it on social media but you never think about it when it comes to like maybe health care I mean other things that we use as professional was how algorithms are programmed to be biased mm. um yeah. and even how it's in your your health care and the services that you pr provide that those providers have labels attached to them um and one of those labels is going to code their race as being black and right. so just, you know, things that we don't think about or we take for granted or we think is only in one setting right. and realizing that this impacts us even when we leave work, like in other yes. areas that it impacts our lives. Definitely. And um, even that, um, you know, racism impacts us outside of corporate America, outside of health. So I'm um, like at one point I volunteered and one of the ways that they they used race to discriminate is they had two separate applications for the apartments. So if it was a two pager, that meant that person was African-American. But if it was a one page, that meant it was a Caucasian person. So um, I think it's it can be very overwhelming to know we are being um, attacked from so many angles but very, um, very empowering to know that we have each other, that we're not alone and that we can, you know, share our stories and that we can move through it. So yes. thank you again for sharing that. Um, so for those of those listeners who maybe said, I think I want to do an anthology, what would you recommend <laughs> to them? <laughs> you get you a therapist have you a therapist on hand because okay. you are going to need it um, because you are dealing with multiple personalities and depending on the topic of the anthology some of the people agree to write stories but they have not started the healing process mm. and that was one of the things that I unfortunately learned from that you know shut them down yeah Fortunately, I have a background as a um, clinical social worker. Okay. So I did that for 23 years and actually had a private practice for 20 years. So early on, I started realizing that some of the women were being triggered 
and I no longer practice. And so I brought in a therapist, like, okay. girl, I'm going to pay you come in and right. I'm going to need you to do some stuff with some of these women. And so she came in and talked about like triggers and, mm-hmm. you know, how to find a therapist and how you have to work through that pain. And how writing the anthology opened up some old wounds for them that they needed to take care of. Um, But being the person who pulls it all together, being the publisher, um, those are things that you really don't anticipate that you've got to be mindful of. Some people would have just been like, I'm not dealing with it. And um, that's just not my character. And so I brought in a professional to help them because I saw what was going on. But at some point, I had to bring in a professional for myself because I had become their emotional punching bag for Mm -hmm. some people. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I I still got to make it to the next day. So, (laughs) you know, that I, that was one of those things that I was just like, man, I did not anticipate this. Like it, it was really, really emotional. So doing an anthology, you have to be careful of the topic that you're picking. You have to screen people. Um, you know, some people will say, oh, okay, yeah, I can do this. And then you like, well, give me your story. Girl, I don't have no story. Mm -hmm. I need a story. We get ready (laughs) to go to print. So you are a teacher. You're the principal. Mm -hmm. Like you're doing all kinds of, and so you have to be organized. Um, I had to bring in a virtual assistant, um, to help manage and, and us to develop, um, you know, just, flow sheets and all kind of stuff so you you have to, it's and and again I have been used to working by myself as far as like publishing writing the whole creative process was just me and the people that I worked with as far as editors graphic designers web designers I had that team but I know their personalities I know when it's just, okay I, I deal with you next week you know but when you have you know, 15 authors or 20 authors, that's a lot of people. And those are a lot of emotions. Yes, yes. Thank you for that. So what would you say were your favorite and least favorite parts of putting the anthology together? Reading all the stories was Mm -hmm. my most favorite. Mm -hmm. Like just to see the diversity and the range and knowing that I was a part of that. Like, oh my God, like this is me. I did, you know, I did this. Um, and, and seeing the final book in print, like holding it like a big wave of emotions. Mm -hmm. And then when the book made number one in new releases, I think I cried for like about five, (laughs) 10 minutes in my office. Cause it was like, again, it wasn't something that I was like, okay, I'm working towards this. It's just like, wow, like, okay, Mm -hmm. you know, caught me off guard. Mm-hmm. That was, those were like some of my most favorites, just mm-hmm. seeing the whole project come to life mm-hmm. and realizing the impact that we were making, um, not just on Blacks, but also educating like others right. that are in corporate settings that have control over these situations. Right. Um, and, and, you know, letting them know, like, y'all keep saying y'all don't know what's going on, but this is what's going on with us, okay? Here's a whole book on it. Mm-hmm. So th- those were my most favorite parts. Okay. And anything besides managing the personalities that created a struggle for you or a challenge Mm-mm, for you? That was it. That okay. Was it. That okay. was it. Other than that, 
it, it was a great project. Okay. So would you consider doing another anthology? Yes, I actually have one coming out this oh, month. But, okay, awesome. <laughs> so, so my friends think I'm crazy. Mm -hmm. and, and again, <laughs> uh, this one was totally different because we were dealing on um, different touch points. And so this was the where you said G has sat in on the um, the LinkedIn Live where we were talking about hair. Yes. And so the new anthology that's coming out like within the next two weeks mm -hmm. is can't tell can't tell me nothing the uncomfortable okay. hair truths of black women okay and so okay. they're sharing about hair shaming hair discrimination mm -hmm. um just the whole gamut of what we go through as black women when it comes to our hair right and not just in a professional setting but some of the things that have taken place behind the scenes Absolutely. when we were little girls mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. I can definitely uh, remember the hot comb. And um, I mean, that experience in itself is, is pretty traumatic, um, especially if you got, <laughs> you got burned. So yeah. um, I don't know that other groups understand how pivotal our hair is to our community and how strong that label is based on what type of hair you have. But I am so glad that you are bringing it to the forefront. And especially with so many uh, multicultural families coming about, there are a lot yeah. of people outside of our groups who have to learn. You have a child whose hair is a lot different from yours or a grandchild or a niece. So I'm glad that you are um, bringing it to the forefront. Um, Thank so you. I, yes, yes. So I know that hair is one of the, um, uh, you know, major issues in the Shut Them Down anthology. What other um, factors did women talk about? Like, was there colorism that anyone shared about? Like, what other what other topics should readers look forward to once they purchase the book? Um, in Shut Them Down, we one of the another theme that we kind of saw that developed was um, black women who hurt other black women in a professional setting. Okay. So sometimes the racism is on black and white. Sometimes your racism is what we call internal racism, yes. um, where you have those who look like you who are discriminating against you. Yes. And it's not colorism. So they're not discriminating against you because you are a darker skinned black right. or a lighter skinned black. Mm -hmm. The the racism is coming because I'm scared you're gonna take my job. Yes. And so it's my it's my duty to hold you down. Right. And so I'm going to make your life a living hell while yeah. you're here. Yeah. And this person has gone in like excited to have um, you know, a supervisor or a boss that looks like them because we right. say representation matters, right? right? And this is like when representation goes wrong and you're yes. just like, wait, hold up, what? What is she doing right. or what is he doing? I thought we on the same team and they looking like, no, nah, I'm on team me. You right. on your own. Like, right. so we saw, okay. I saw that happen mm -hmm. a couple of, in some of the stories okay. um, that, you think about it, but you're just like, I was like, you know, and people are just like, well, that's not racism. No, that's not a form of racism. Definitely. Yes, it <laughs> it's For called sure. internal racism. So, yes. yes that, that was the other thing that we saw. Okay. Yeah. And then, I mean, I definitely agree with that. So many times um, we think that the hatred or the, the dislike is always external, but that's not necessarily the case. A lot of no. the, a lot of the experiences that we have start in the home. So, you know, mm -hmm. if you have a parent or sibling who, you know, has a discard for you or mistreats you, you carry that outside. Um, 
and sometimes that's reinforced outside, which makes it that much harder. But I think people kind of overlook the fact that um, in our community that we do um, discriminate against each other for a number of reasons. So I'm yes, def- I definitely do. have to crack open the book now. I- <laughs> yes, so, we do. Yes, yes, yes. So, um, so I know that you wrote the anthology, you said you have another one coming up. Um, what advice do you have for one thing that you mentioned was the marketing was a, a challenge. So what advice do you have for authors yeah. um, in the audience who struggle with that, don't know um, what route they should go when trying to get their book more um, visibility? Um, one thing that I one thing that I see a lot, because I'm also a book coach, too, is that people want to do their own book cover. If you are not a graphic designer know the gifts and talents that God gave you and then go find somebody that he blessed in that area and let them do your cover because your cover becomes the center point. It is the central focus for your marketing. And if you have a jacked up book cover, I don't care, you can be married to that book cover. If it is jacked up, nobody is going to buy your book and so you so that is the first step where I see a lot of people mess up they want to cut corners so it's I'm going to do my own book cover no go hire somebody like make the investment because you're going to get your money back if you have a book cover I learned that from my first book cover and I have carried it with me every step of the way I always use a professional graphic designer so and professional (laughs) means how many book covers have you done I I, I need some receipts um I think word of mouth we don't like to a we don't like to toot our own horn so we don't want to tell people that we wrote a book and but then you get mad when people don't go buy the book (laughs) did you tell anybody right so you you have to put yourself out there and I think a lot of authors are introverts they don't like being bothered with people they just want to you know want to sit at our desk and write (laughs) and leave me alone Mm -hmm. and you have to learn how to put yourself out there however painful it might be Yes. You wrote it, your audience wants to interact with the author. And that was a big challenge for me when I wrote my first book. Because again, like I said, people think I'm joking. I had crazy ex-husband. So I'm writing under a pen name. Mm-hmm. And then you like you don't want people to know I'm your wife. And then I'm just like, dude, I gotta market this book yet. Like we gotta figure out something. Right. And so but I had to learn how to put myself out there. And then for me, it became, I had to rebrand because then I started writing under my real name at yes. some point. Mm-hmm. Um, but put yourself, marketing is going to require you getting over your inhibitions and, and getting over yourself. Get out, yes. your, get out of your own way. Mm-hmm. Don't nobody care about you, but they want to know who wrote the book. They want to know <laughs> more about you, the person. And so if it means that I just schedule one interview a day or I do one live a week, right. you got to engage with your audience. You you cannot get around it. Yes, I definitely agree with that. I feel like there's a more options specifically for those who may be introverted. So even yes. a podcast like this 
is very, you know, it's minimal. Um, it's, it's pre-recorded. You don't have a live audience watching you. So there's so many opportunities for you to, you know, market and publicize yourself. Um, that doesn't necessarily involve large groups of people. So I agree with, with Dr. Yazid to make sure you find ways to, you know, talk about your book and get it out there and then yeah. use it for other opportunities. So speaking gigs can come out of your book. Um, so there's a lot of ways that you can use your book to market yourself and, and, you know, make sales. I guess that's, that's the end goal, yes. right? <laughs> yes. At the end of the day, you try, you, at the end of the day, the most you, you know, the most, the least you're trying to do is make your money back that you spend, especially if you self-publish. Right. Um, now if you go with a traditional publishing company, you trying to make back the money that they about to take from you to cover all of this exactly. stuff. Cause yes. most people don't realize that. And so you can get a check at, at the next quarter. So right. you gotta, <laughs> you can't be sitting here talking about, okay, I wrote a book. Girl, this ain't the field of dreams. Right. Just because you wrote it, they not gonna come. You gotta get out exactly. there and tell people about it. Definitely, definitely. So I know that at one point you had mentioned, you know, you had to transition from working for yourself by yourself to a team. So yes. how did you go about finding the professionals and the team to help you? Because our audience, you know, again, um, they're authors and they might not have a team. So what would you recommend to them to find trusted professionals to help them? Oh, if I, okay. So like, let's say it's a book. When I first started, if it was a book that I liked and I loved the cover, I flipped through to see if they mentioned who the graphic designer was. And if they did, I would contact them. So actually one of the graphic designers, he did the typesetting for the inside of my book. He um, wrote, he worked with Elan Harris. Okay. And so I contacted him for the cover and he mm -hmm. was like, he couldn't do it, but he was like, I could do the typesetting. Mm -hmm. um, and so like I've made connections that way. Okay. Um, asked other authors like, you know, hey, I really like your cover. Who is the graphic designer? And then from there, reach out and then mm -hmm. say, like, who recommended me? Um, for So my whole team now, they are individuals that I have worked with on several projects. Okay. Um, the only reason I'm not working with the graphic designer for my first book was that he died shortly mm. thereafter. That was the, because that was the best experience ever. I took him so much out of his comfort zone, but we came up with a killer <laughs> cover. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so, um, but everyone else, there are people that I built relationships with. They know me, I know them, and um, we, we are a good fit. So my editor, my typesetter, my, I have a designer for, for the website, a designer mm -hmm. for the flyers on social media, and then I got a designer for the cover. Like, mm -hmm it's a team yes. so yeah yes. but they it was built over time exactly um and i definitely agree with the delegation piece so i now have a virtual assistant and i do have graphic designers and editors and um, things that i work with or refer to so um yes i agree with dr yazid if you need a team make sure you go out and look reach out to other authors um facebook groups are a great place to start um there's yeah. fiverr yeah there's fiverr with two r's um, there's a lot of places for you to look to get help. So don't be afraid to to reach out. Google is super easy to use. So <laughs> make sure you true. yeah take advantage. However, I will say make sure that um, the resources that you are referring to are reputable. 
because we know that so many things online are not reputable. So double check their, you know, ask for samples, double check the work that they've done, um, look for reviews, things like that. All the things that Dr. Yazid knows, I'm just saying out loud. <laughs> so that's awesome. So I'm so glad that, um, you know, you shared that with us. I would like to know just in general, does writing exhaust you or does it excite you or energize you? Oh no, writing never exhausts me. Okay. Um, I have, you know, now when I think back on it, I've been writing probably all of my life. In high school, I had an English teacher who really pushed me like, you need to major in English. And my mom was like, girl, don't nobody make no money with no English degree. They go get a real degree, you know. And then my parents were paying for it. So it was like, that degree is out. <laughs> um, but it was one teacher who really believed in me. And she's just like, your writing is like amazing. I was just like, yeah, okay, kid from the hood. All right, sounds great, you know. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, but one of my side hustles in high school was that I would write my classmates' papers. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I never had to ask my parents for an allowance because I always had extra money. Right. And when an English teacher, this was a different English teacher, when she figured out what I was doing, she pulled me to the side and I just said, oh, I'm about to fail this class. Like my parents are going to kill me. She's about mm -hmm. to flunk me. And so she's like, how much are you charging? I didn't say anything. So she's like, look, I know about the hustle. Mm -hmm. And so I told her and she said, oh, you undercharging. You need to charge them more money. And yeah. I was just like, really? And so mm -hmm. she helped me develop like a price sheet. And I was just <laughs> like, so mm -hmm. I've been writing and writing just excites me, it gives me energy. I also love to read the work of other people and help them to shape it. Um, like, it's like, you think it's good, but we about to make this great. Like, mm -hmm. these are some things I need to see you tweak and change and, you know, and I like to push people out of their comfort zone. It's just like, you know, tell me more about this. And I've just had some people say, I'm, I'm not doing all of that. Okay, well, nobody's gonna buy the book. Like. Mm -hmm. You giving me surface stuff, girl. We mm -hmm. need to go deep. Let's take back, peel back some layers. Let's go deep. <laughs> so I, anything that that pertains to writing, I love it. I love awesome. it. Awesome. Um, I agree. I also am energized for by writing for the most part. So um, I can agree with that. So I do know you mentioned you're a book coach and we briefly mentioned your aspiring authors academy. But if you'd like yeah. to give us a little bit more information about that, I'm sure our audience would appreciate it. Um, just from, ooh, in the past, I was helping everybody for free. Like, you know, people would just, and then yeah. I realized like, wait a minute, but then I would help them. And then it's kind of like the whole regurgitation process. They, I realized they were going back and charging people for what uh, I had showed them how to do. Yeah. It's just like, hold on, wait a minute. <laughs> and I'm like, and people paying y'all for, okay, I know, no, right. no. Cause I taught you the game. Like, yes. <laughs> Um, after it shut them down, I started getting people to reach out to me and, you know, it was some people saying I want to do an anthology and, and not realizing the, and, and they wanted to do the anthology, but they wanted me to do all the work. Oh, and I'm okay. like, that comes with a price tag. For like, sure. I'm just not going to do this for free. Absolutely. Um, but I can show you how to do it. I have aspiring authors, never written a book. And so I offered a class and then from the class, people were like, okay, what's next? And I was just like, okay. So I started the academy. Right now I have eight women that are enrolled in the academy. It's a six month program. And I basically take them from their great idea to by when we end in June, they will each have a published copy of their book. And so I walk you through the process 
but it's really I'm doing developmental editing. Mm -hmm. I'm helping you find your graphic designer. Like you are learning the process because I'm teaching them how to fish for themselves. So when I finish with you, you don't have to come back to me. You know how to do this on your own. Um, and so that's what the Aspiring Authors Academy is about. And for those people who don't like to do the group stuff, because some people like, I ain't no group person. Um, I do <laughs> offer one-on-one -on -one, um, book coaching as well. And it's pretty much the same thing. You got to work with me for at least six months because okay. that's pretty much how long it's going to take, right. um, if not longer. So people think writing a book is instant. No. I don't care if you don't wrote the manuscript. By the time we get through tearing it apart, <laughs> you got to go write some more. So right. it is a process. It Nobody is. writes the perfect first draft. And with aspiring authors, that's that hump that I usually have to get them over. For sure. Yes. Thank you so much for sharing that. Um, before we wrap up, I would love to know um, who are some of the writers and authors that inspire you? Ooh, I am a fan of James Baldwin. Elan Harris is another favorite of mine. Um, Terry McMillan, Maya Angelou. And all of these, I know some people just like, girl, some, some people old and they did. Okay, <laughs> but here's the deal. Back when I was growing up, even though they were authors, like their stuff wasn't readily available in the South. And so these were some of the first authors that I read mm -hmm. and their stuff has just stuck with me over time. Um, you know, we had Jerome Dickey, which I just like to fall out on the floor when he, when they said he died, how, what, what happened, what, what's going on, yeah, you know, yeah. those were game changers for, for sure. me, those are the people that I don't care what they write, I'm going to pick up a book mm -hmm. that if they've written it, I'm going to purchase it, I'm going to read it, they are my my go-to and I will read them again and again and again. Their stuff is just, is timeless. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm glad to, you know, learn a little bit more about what, you know, authors and writers that you like and who influence you. So for all of our listeners who want to follow you or they want your services or they want to buy your book, where can they find you? Okay, so on social media, I am on LinkedIn, Instagram, and Twitter, and Clubhouse. I just got, I don't know what I'm doing on Clubhouse, y'all, but I'm on Clubhouse. Um, and on all those platforms, I am at Dr. Carrie Z. so it's easy to find me. Um, if you want to know more about me and how to work with me, um, please visit aspiringauthorscoach.com. And there you can find out like about the programs that I offer and um, how we can, you know, work together and we can connect. And I also have a podcast that comes out okay. weekly on Apple Podcasts and it's called Baldwin Was Right. Okay, thank you so much. Um, I'm so excited that you were able to join us um, and impart knowledge and tell us a little bit more about Dr. Yazid. And thank you to all of the listeners who tuned in to this episode. Again, Editor Knows Best airs every Monday, 7 p.m. Eastern. You can visit anchor.fm slash editor knows best to listen to a few of our episodes. Thank you again for listening. Uh, be safe and be well, everyone.